Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Rockets Thunder Game 7 postgame show. Joining me as co-host and fellow H-Town sports junkie, Stephen Kerr. 60 years in journalism between the two of us. And with all of our experience, Stephen, uh, I don't know if I've held my heart for a longer period of time than the last two and a half seconds. I, I just feel like if, if my, the rest of my life lasted as long as each two and a half seconds of that game, you know, I'd live to be a thousand years old. Well, when you said 60 years, Robert, I thought you were going to be referring to those last two seconds because it sure seemed to take like 60 years or maybe more realistically 10 minutes. And, you know, I was sweating the whole time thinking, man, this is just this is just crazy if the Rockets can't pull this out. You know, they they had the chance. They they hadn't come through in any of the close games in this series. I'm just thinking, man, no way are they going to – if they blew this game seven, Robert, I don't think you and I would be able to do this podcast because of just the, the way things ended up with Harden making that great play. And then it's like all hell broke loose. But as, as uh, I know I'm switching to baseball here, but as Milo Hamilton used to say, take a deep breath, hold it. Let it out, because I did that uh, several times in those last 10 minutes or two seconds, whichever you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, if you look at everything that happened in this game, you'd be like, well, the Rockets are going to lose. Lou Dort scores 30 points. Uh, Chris Paul gets a triple-double. In the last two minutes of the game or three minutes of the game, I think Russell Westbrook either blew two or three layups. Three, Three, I think, were at the rim. Covington blows one at the rim. The Rockets... Foul, uh, Chris Paul with less than two seconds left in an, on an inbounds play. I mean, it, you everything, just everything, yeah. everything that could go wrong went wrong, and they still won. Yeah, and 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 then you look at uh, what the Rockets did on offense, and James Harden was was terrible. You know, Harden. I mean, in, in Game Sevens, this unfortunately is typical for him. I believe this is the third Game Seven that he has played with the Rockets. And at least, you know, from three-point range, he was four of 20 in the first two. And he was certainly quiet in this one. But believe it or not, Robert, he probably makes the play of the game by that block on Dort. And unfortunately, it kind of unraveled some other things, and that's why it took so long. But that play by Harden was as big as it gets in a Game 7 for the Rockets. What cracked me up was the what I see from James Harden so much is he's terrible closing out on three. So this proves he can do, you can do this, James. <laughs> you can do this, James. And you know, the, the other thing that I was sweating about too, when I found out Scott Foster was officiating the game. So is it really any surprise that it ended up the way it did, even though the Rockets did win that, that it, it, it turned into really almost a fiasco. And I think I know what Chris Paul's second career is going to be when he retires, he's going to be a referee. Because he certainly convinced the officials that there was a foul called when, I don't know, Robert, I, I had trouble with it, but I couldn't tell there was a foul. Yeah, there was a grab. I mean, I guess he had him around the, the waist, but, you know, Mark, Mark Jackson and I agree with them said, they never call that. You know, there's all this grabbing and holding on plays like that late in the game. But and, Scott Foster does. That's the problem. Yeah, well, I mean, and 
it's funny because there were so many plays in this game where you go, oh, it's, there's Scott Foster like inserting himself into the game because there there would be a no call or there wouldn't be a foul call. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Scott Foster like blows the whistle from like 20 or 30 feet away from the play. And sometimes he was right. But, you know, it just it, it's just cracked me up that he has to make himself a part of the game. But but what gets me, Robert, and you tell me on that call when the Thunder spent five minutes arguing the call, first of all, I thought they had taken their final time out. Well, as it turns out, they didn't take the time out. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember there even being a whistle on that particular call. It was it was only after Paul started arguing and the Thunder chimed in and argued the call for five minutes that they made it. I don't know that there was a whistle, but they gave them the timeout back, basically. They said it was before the timeout. So the Thunder still got to take it. It was just as one of the craziest sequences I've ever seen. How could you tell if there was a whistle with all the fans in the stands? Well, that's true. All the, yeah, the the uh, virtual fans were making so much noise. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> and then, I mean, the other part about this game was that in the last minute was that one sequence where, you know, Gordon is two guys on him. It, it, you know, he's, I don't know what he's doing, but uh, he gets maybe fouled, maybe not. The ball comes loose. The the Thunder pick up the ball, and then James Harden tries to a block, and 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 then he falls to the ground or tries to draw a charge, I should say, and it's not called at all. And then you know they shoot the shot, and then and then they don't. I mean, it was just everything was going on, and I thought, well, the refs are being consistent about this. Doesn't matter what's going on; they're they're not calling a foul. And they, you know, there was a play late in the game. Dennis Schroeder might have been. Might have been fouled, and and he was arguing it when he went to the basket, and they didn't call that one. I mean, I I felt like it was just kind of that they were going to let him play, and 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 that was happening until that last second where Harden gets called for the grab, and I'm like, where where, where was all of this? Well, that's why I was saying Chris Paul either needs to be a referee, or uh, you know, maybe he should do a, do the psychology thing, go and be a psychologist or something to be able to. Uh, Convince or, or be a good negotiator because he certainly convinced the officials to to call that foul. The other thing that just bothered me in the last few seconds, and I mean, man, the Rockets, they just are not good in the final couple of minutes of ball games. They got a bunch of guys that just don't think very well. And, and I just wonder what Mike D'Antoni is drawing up late in the game. But Eric Gordon didn't come to the basketball or barely came to the basketball, those two chances to inbounds the ball. And I just don't understand that. I mean, Eric Gordon, one of your best free throw shooters, he's used to this. He should be able to handle this situation. And not only did they he not come to the ball, he could have, they could have run him into the backcourt and because you want to waste some time right there. You want to take some time off the clock right. as much as you can. And if you run him into the backcourt, maybe nobody, if you're lucky, maybe nobody follows him. But the fact that they had to inbound the ball to Covington because he was closest to the ball and, and he shoots the free throws and, and, you know, 80% free throw shooter. And it doesn't seem that all that bad, but he hadn't gone to the free throw line. He's not used to these type of situations. Where was Eric Gordon? Yeah, that's a good point. And also, and I just felt like just like in game six, the Rockets were missing layups at the end of the game or, you know, good shots that, that should have been falling. They were just missing them. You know, fortunately for them, the Thunder, they were missing shots down in the last two minutes, too. Otherwise, we might be talking about a completely different outcome in Game 7. 
Robert Covington, rough early in the series, uh, but this game and the last game was shooting his threes, and you know Jeff Green, uh, you know he was still three of four, so he was good. This is the first time we've seen both of them have a, a shooting game, a good shooting game at the same time. But Robert Covington, six of eleven for three, uh, twenty-one points. They were plus three when he was on the floor. Ten rebounds. Uh, missed that layup towards the end that I, I thought was kind of a gimme. Missed the free throw at the at the end. So there was a couple of things in the last couple of minutes, but overall, you got a lot from Robert Covington, and, and he played a lot, 39 minutes in this game. Yeah, he sure did, and it was good to see because, you know, you, you really needed him to come through, somebody to come through, and, and Aaron Gordon finally came through too. It's just amazing. You know, you, you wonder, and I think we asked this question before, when is it going to happen when all of these guys are going to click on all cylinders? Well, they're going to need to with the next series coming up. But, yeah, it was definitely good to see Covington start – hitting some threes that, that were certainly very valuable when it came to the outcome of this game. Yeah, Eric Gordon, you mentioned it. He was 5 of 9 from 3, and it was good to see because there was a lot of Eric Dorton uh, chants I was, I was hearing on, <laughs> uh, amongst Rockets fans after the first few games. And then Dort decided he was going to start hitting threes, and, and, but Eric Gordon was matching him in this game and 21 points for him. Still, man, he's got to cut down on the turnovers. Five turnovers. He led the Rockets in this game. Yeah, he led the Rockets. Fortunately, the rest of the team didn't have nearly as many turnovers because, boy, in game six, they certainly had way too many. So at, at least for the most part, with the exception of Gordon, they did cut down on their turnovers, and that was another big reason they won game seven. And one thing that I, I, it never goes, it never gets talked about enough is Eric Gordon defense you know he he is a really good defensive player he made some big plays in this game uh just really liked what i saw from him on the defensive end stripping some uh thunder players and 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 you know that's a thing that i I just don't think people mention enough we get caught up and i know you and i have had the same thing we get caught up in his shooting or lack thereof but he he does make the defensive plays when he needs to and he had that big block. I know he turned it over on the next possession late in the game, but he had a big block also uh, as as the game was winding down. Got to get P.J. Tucker going from three. Uh, I just don't like what I see still in his shot. He's one for seven going in, uh, to the next series and the, playing the Lakers. Uh, P.J. Tucker, every one of his threes seems like they're just wide, wide open. So... You know, you you got to see that shot look a little bit better because it feels like all of them need to go in. These are wide, wide open corner threes, one after the other after the other. And at some point, uh, P.J. Tucker's got to get his shot back together again. I mean, I, I, I get it. He plays so hard on defense. He plays a lot of minutes. Maybe his legs aren't there as much. But I just don't like the way his shot looks coming out of his hand. He doesn't seem to have much of an arch to it. That's something that, you know, maybe they could work on in the next couple of days. But, you know, this is all you get now is you get you get two days off and that's it. Yeah, there's definitely not going to be much uh, in the way of, you know, getting practice time to work on some of these things because they're going to be right back at it on Friday. Yeah, the shooting touch definitely isn't there for Tucker. He did make that mid-range uh, shot that put the Rockets ahead 103-102. But overall, you know, and I don't want to use the excuse maybe he's been banged up you know, he got knocked around quite a bit in game six and so forth. But, yeah, the shooting touch definitely needs to be there for him, you know, especially 
going into this uh, second round series with the Lakers. Yeah, we could get into the Lakers in a second, but this is going to speak to the Lakers and the Rockets going forward because, you know, Westbrook, you know, and Harden, the the clutch gene, that's something that we're going to be talking about on and on and on until they get it together. And there was a Ringer article, Stephen, I don't know if you caught it in the last 24 hours by Kevin O'Connor that came out before game seven. And I want to throw out a couple of stats from that article that to be frank, well, they tell the story of who James Harden is as a player, especially in the clutch and who Russell Westbrook is in the playoffs. Uh, The first number that they brought up Harden is 24.6%. He is a 24.6% shooter from three in the fourth quarter and overtime of playoff games over the last five years, Stephen. That's it. Well, I wish I could say I was surprised, Robert. Unfortunately, I'm not. I mean, this is something that Rockets fans and people like you and me have been talking about for years and years. Is you know that that's what makes a championship team is you know coming through in the clutch and coming into down the stretch. I mean, you 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 didn't see Michael Jordan, you know, and any of these other guys. You know, LeBron James has had his moments in, in critical situations, but he's also made some big shots too. You know, but James Harden, this this is repeat performance after repeat performance. And there's been enough of a sample size to back it up. So, yeah, as we've said, un- until the recipe changes, Robert, we're, we're going to be taking the same bites and talking about the same food with these two guys. Well, it, particularly Harden. Westbrook played pretty well. He certainly played much, much better, you know, after coming back than he did in game six. And he had that big third quarter with 10 points. But Harden is the one, obviously, that that also needs to get back on track. And they both just need to be consistent all through this next series and beyond. Yeah, I think we talked about it at the end of game six. Just Harden's lack of movement off the ball in those final couple of minutes. But this is this is a consistent problem, Stephen. And, and, you know, Westbrook assisted Harden only 35 times this season. This is also from this article. 35 times... And Chris Paul assisted him only 29 and 39 in his two seasons with the Rockets. It's because James Harden, he just won't move without the basketball. He just stands there too much. And I just don't, I don't like that. I I think he thinks that, oh, it's a, you know, maybe it's four on four and and we're stronger if I'm backing out of the play and it's a four on four. But I would much rather my best player be somehow involved in the play, move without the basketball and, and just his lack of effort in that game six was disgusting to watch. I don't know what that was about, but that is so typical of who he is. Well, and I don't know if it's that he's just not willing to take direction. If if the coach is going to point those things out or if, if Mike D'Antoni is just letting him play his game. I mean, we know from just from watching him coach over the last few years that he basically lets the players just do what they do best. But I don't know, you know, it's easy for me and you to sit here and say this, but I just think a a really great coach can get in there and get the most out of his star players. And we're, we're clearly not getting the most out of James Harden. I mean, that, as we said, this has been going on for years and years. And that's just a a fundamental aspect of the game that he still hasn't gotten down is that he's just not enough movement. As you said, too much standing around. And why am I bringing up stuff like this? People might say, well, the Rockets, they just won game seven and they beat the Thunder in the first round and it took seven games. The Thunder are not that talented of a team. It should have been over well before that. 
the stuff that Harden is doing in the clutch matters. And, and the problem is when you go seven games, it's in this first round specifically, it gets very hard to make a playoff run. And, and I just don't have a whole lot of confidence, Stephen, that this team can make a, a run at the Lakers because they've worn themselves out in the first series. And I just, I, I haven't seen enough, honestly, to go, oh yeah, that's, that that's that's a little bit of you know something to get excited about. I mean, yeah, if they put it all together, we've seen them have great stretches, but it's it's that consistency or lack thereof that's going to kill them. But stretches over a seven-game series, Robert, and that's what the Rockets need to do, and they just haven't done it. And I wish I could disagree with you. I wish we could get into a a nice little shouting match about you know that the Rockers the Rockets could take this Lakers series. But I'm afraid I, I'm with you. I, I don't believe I, I still don't believe the Rockets are a championship team. They haven't shown the same consistency. They haven't shown the tendency to do the little things often enough, especially when it counts down the stretch. Yeah, they got off. Yeah, you know they they got away with one tonight. But this is the Lakers. This is LeBron James. You know the Lakers have had some peaks and valleys, but LeBron James has been here multiple times before and has come through more than one occasion. So this is not going to be the kind of series that you can just sit around and, and hope they get lucky. They, they've got to be more consistent all the way through the series. And if they have their foot on the Lakers' throat, they've got to keep it there. A couple other things from that article on Westbrook uh, this time. Westbrook, 14 playoff games with at least seven turnovers. We remember what he did the last game, game six, the seven turnovers He's had 14 playoff games with seven turnovers in the 100 total playoff games he's played. 14 out of 100, ugh, which is a higher yeah. rate than any of the 23 players with more than two seven turnover games since his career started. Of 82 players with over 500 shots during those playoff years. So, you know, in the stretch that he's been in the playoffs, 82 players with at least 500 shots. Westbrook is ranked 70th of 82 Ooh. players in true shooting percentage. Wow. Well, that's and, – and, you know, the Rockets were recipients of some of that when he played for the Thunder. So, you know, you well know. I mean, that's a large enough sample size that it is definitely a cause for concern. You know, he played well tonight, but, again, we're, we're talking the big picture. He's got to do that, do that game in and game out, especially if Harden is struggling. But – the, the, both of these guys have just got to be above and beyond in this series if the Rockets are going to have a chance to win, I believe. Let's look forward to the Lakers series for a bit. Uh, they're going to start up in a couple of days. And just want to get your thoughts on the matchup with the Lakers because, you know, they've got real size that can really hurt you inside. Steven Adams, you know, big, slow-footed. You know, he's not going to post anybody up. Uh, the Lakers with LeBron. You know, obviously, Anthony Davis inside. Uh, JaVale McGee can beat you a little bit on uh, some things underneath the basket. Uh, you know, just you, you've got some guys in there that can be difficult for the Rockets. The one thing that you might have an advantage in this series is there is no Lou Dort on the defensive end. And I don't <laughs> know, you know, who that guy is that's going to slow down James Harden with the Lakers. And that, I think, is where the Rockets real advantage and and James has got to take take advantage of that yeah he certainly does I don't know who would match up well with him with the Lakers I but you know we just have to hope that 
James Harden can get that going because, you know, it's not just Lou Dort that is the reason for his struggles, especially as the series goes along and gets into a game seven. As far as the matchup, I mean, this is where the Rockets small ball, I think, is really going to be tested, Robert. I, You know, the, the Lakers, the Bucks, teams like that, they're that's going to be the ultimate test, I think, for the Rockets in this series is the quote-unquote small ball approach, and can they – can they last a series with, a, with like that against the Lakers? Yeah, who's the guy that you think that matches up with Russell Westbrook and has the quickness? Because you can't, obviously, you can't put an Anthony Davis or uh, LeBron James because I, I think the quickness matchup, I mean, although Davis can recover with that long reach that he's got, but, you know, you've got Danny Green, I'm sure, is going to play Russell Westbrook maybe for, you know, stretches potentially. Uh, Rondo might be back for this one, from what I understand. Yeah, I don't see him as a factor, though, being as, certainly not a, a quick enough for Westbrook. Yeah, I, I just I don't know where where their perimeter defense comes in. You know, they got you know it's Alex Caruso. It's just like they got a bunch of guys on their perimeter that the Rockets should be able to take advantage of that. But once you get it inside, you're going to have you know a lot of players inside for the Lakers that can wipe away shots. So the Rockets have got to be ready on the outside. They got to hit those outside shots because if if you're going inside, it's probably going to be a lot of drive and kick, drive and kick. Yeah, and the Rockets, that hurt them a lot in this series is just blowing so many layups and inside shots that should have fallen. That's not going to bode well for them, especially if their threes aren't falling. So the inside game is going to be a factor, but that that's where I think the Lakers scare me the most, Robert, is inside. I think you're right. You know, the perimeter defense, but the the threes of the Rockets have to take good shots because they tend to, as you know, you know, when they start raining threes, when they start falling, then it's almost like they get overconfident or careless, and then they start taking bad shots. Well, I don't care what the Lakers' perimeter defense is. They they can't afford to do that if the inside game is going to be a big problem for them. The other thing that you get with the Lakers is, and that, and that size is a lot of one and dones. I mean, if you shoot the ball with them, and and you've got the size on the floor of, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis or JaVale McGee or you know all these bigger players that they've got. I mean, hell, guys like Danny Green and uh, you know, guy a guy like him or uh, KCP, all of those guys, uh, they've got long arms. Uh, they're they're going to give you maybe one shot if you're lucky a lot of times. So the Rockets are really going to have to fight to get any second-chance points in this series where with Oklahoma City, it was Steven Adams. And then most of the guys on the Oklahoma City that they were running out there were about the size of the Rockets. Gallinari is not a great rebounder. He was somebody that was a big, but you know he wasn't, he wasn't going to get a rebound a lot of time. A lot of time he's hanging outside in the perimeter anyway because he could shoot the ball so well. Yeah, the Rockets have gotten away on a few occasions with being out-rebounded by a considerable margin, but I I don't feel as confident about that with the Lakers. So they, they've got to somehow hang, at least hang with them in the rebounding game consistently. That That's really a, a big concern for me. Again, we're talking about, you know, the inside game. Anything else from this series that you're you're looking at, you're looking forward to? I mean, LeBron James, the Rockets have never faced him in the playoffs, correct? No, this is their first seven-game, well, really their first postseason series with LeBron because LeBron has been, you know, in the Eastern Conference the whole time, Cleveland, Miami, back to Cleveland. So we really don't have any history to go on as far as, you know, the Rockets against LeBron James. 
so it's like you're starting a clean slate. You just kind of wonder how things go. Um, I, I just hope it's a, another exciting series, Robert. I, I just don't want the Rockets to come out. You know, it's really going to scare me if they come out flat on Friday and drop game one. I mean, stranger things have happened, obviously, the, the way the postseason has gone. We've had some, I mean, you talk about bizarre endings. You know, the Utah-Denver game was bizarre ending. And then the uh, Bucks heat game two was weird at the end. And then the Rockets game seven. So anything can happen in a series. And we just, you know, we're starting fresh. That's a good thing. But I, I just want to see more consistency for the Rockets. And, man, if they could come through and beat the Lakers in this series, then maybe you and I can, can start changing our tune a little bit about how deep this team can go. Well, they pull out a tough game seven, 104 to 102. Hang on for dear life to beat the Thunder <laughs> uh, four games to three. They move on to the second round. Looking forward to that Lakers series for sure. The first game is Friday. I've got some work commitments on Friday. So I think our first post game will be after game two. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Sorry uh, with my work commitments that I won't be able to do the game one post game, but um, looking forward to join you guys after the second game of this series. Uh, we assume that's going to be Sunday evening. Um, I would assume er everything with the Lakers means we're going to get a lot more late games in this series. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Stephen, for sure. Yeah, we better get the coffee, soft drinks, what, whatever kind of adrenaline pump we need for these late night games, Robert. But uh, yep, we we will be here. We will certainly have post uh, post game podcast after as uh, many of these games as we can. So let's go Rockets! All right, we'll uh, wrap things up. Just a reminder: we'd love your feedback as always. Suggestions, questions, topics. You can message us through Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. That's info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Stay healthy and safe. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.